0: Four, three, two, one. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the very first episode of the Shift Method Podcast. I'm your host, Damian Michael. And with me today, I have a very special guest. There's no one better to kick off the very first podcast with, and that is my man, my colleague, my friend, Elias Figueroa. Elias, introduce yourself and say hi to the people.
1: What's up, everybody? Uh, My name is Elias Figueroa. I've been Coaching uh, athletes and training people since I was 15 years old, so about eight years now. Um, I'm currently the new lead personal trainer with Purdue RecWell at Purdue University, and you can get my, you can tune into my um, my fitness Instagram at Coach Elias underscore CPT. We talk a lot about um, intangibles as well as tangibles, kind of. Um, how we program, as well as how we think about, you know, the building blocks of wellness in general. And then you can also apply that to just like relationships or everyday life and things. So that's the kind of, that's the direction we're going.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And yeah, as Elias mentioned, he is the new what we call lead personal trainer over at uh, Purdue Rec. Well in West Lafayette, Indiana. And that's actually how Elias and I met. Uh, Interesting enough is that I used to be the, graduate assistant of fitness ops and services over there. It's a fancy way of saying I oversaw the personal training department at Purdue RecWell, and Elias was one of my personal trainers over there. Amazing guy. I met him initially just in a meeting that we had at work. He ended up doing what we call a personal training prep course where he took a course to, uh, further his interest in personal training and then ultimately get certified. Uh, he was, no, he was already, you already certified right. Through NASM. I started my program. And I reached out
1: to you because I knew you were um, basically like the manager of personal training or like that you headed everyone. And you were like, okay, you started your program. You know, we have this class and be really good to, um, it'd be really good to get the hands on um, experience of how we do things. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? Like, let <laughs> my application and. Here we are.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And even though, like Elias mentioned, you know, a lot of the times people in the class are, you know, they're just getting into their major. Most of them are usually in the sophomore status. Uh, Elias is now a senior and he, like you mentioned, has a lot of coaching experience prior to even getting his cert or even working at Purdue RecWell. So he's got a lot of great information. So after this, I would highly recommend following the man, checking him out. He does really honest and open long form conversations, right? It's very, you know, raw material from the heart and he's really, really intelligent. So highly recommend checking him out afterwards. So what we're going to talk about today, a couple of main talking points, which is going to be starting a fitness platform, COVID-19 and how that's affected us personally and the fitness community as a broader uh, illustration. And we're also going to talk a little about bodybuilding cause that's one of Elias's specialties. So starting off with a fitness platform, We're going to take this time to kind of briefly explain both individually what our platforms are uh, and why we created them and kind of anyone who's interested in them so they can know a little bit more about what we do or what we're aiming to do, as well as if you're trying to start a platform or some kind of, you know, fitness, uh, fitness trend of your own or whatever you're trying to do, what maybe steps you could take or what action items you can take to uh, further your goal. So I'll go ahead and start first. As some of you might know, my uh, company is This Shift Method, Fitness and Education, LLC. Uh, and the reason why, if you want to get more of a deep dive and you're, you'd like to read, I would head over to my website, theshiftmethod.org. I have my very first blog post is actually explaining what the shift method is overall. So the TLDR, for those who are listening, I'll be short and sweet to the point. Uh, the shift method's goal is to shift the culture of physical activity. What that means is we're focusing on a few things. First and foremost, there doesn't really need to be explained with a lot of data. Like I said, the blog post does a better job of that, but we know that our country in general, the United States is having a health problem, physical, psychological, a bunch of other reasons. Right. And so we all know that if you ask a million people, is physical activity and eating well, good for you. I think you're going to get a hundred percent resounding. Yes. Right. They're all going to say, of course. Exercise is good for you. Eating well is good for you. Well, then why don't we do it? Right? We're one of the leading countries in research and development for kinesiology, health, um, public health, things like that. But we have a really large crisis when it comes to health. And my goal is to try and figure out why that is. And I have a couple ideas why that is, which I'll briefly explain. But more so, it's le- it's looking to change the culture of physical activity. Right? Currently, it's, there's a lot of perceived barriers that go into physical activity, right? Lack of time, energy, support, people are in pain or have disability, and maybe just even lack of interest or enjoyment. I'm here to make fitness fun again. I'm here to make it uh, something that people make as a lifelong habit and, and don't see it as something that they have to do, something that they want to do to be physically active. Uh, another area that I'm tackling is bridging the gap between strength and conditioning and physical therapy. So as personal trainers, you know, we briefly go over a couple sections about like, you know, what are injuries and what might cause them. But in terms of actually helping people who are dealing with, you know, chronic unspecified pain or someone who's just coming out of PT, we aren't really given too much guidance from our certifications. So give you an example. Someone had an ACL tear, they got surgery, they got cleared through physical therapy. Now they're with you, but they're still having maybe some no residual symptoms or or disability from it. We're not really given the tools to help prepare us for that. So my goal is to try my best using the current literature with pain and injury uh, research to try and bridge that gap to help personal trainers and train the conditioning coaches be prepared to work with people. Chronic pain and injury are something that's very widespread, and if we don't know how to uh, help people with that or understand the like current. Uh, research around that we're going to have a problem helping people because there's plenty of people who don't need physical therapy that can work with us but we're not prepared to so that's kind of the TLDR about what the shift method is and the way in which we go about addressing those issues that's the method of addressing it the method of how we shift culture of physical activity I'm going to give Elias some time now to kind of talk about his platform a little bit more in detail absolutely awesome and you tell you A big point just in general of uh,
1: something that you highlighted earlier, Damien, is kind of that shift from something that you know is good for you that you should be doing or have to do to something that you want to do. And that's basically the, like, that's the Elias Training 101, like right there. That's what I'm going to focus on is going from extrinsic to intrinsic, something that you know is good. Or, you know, maybe a doctor or a nutritionist or a personal trainer, your family, someone is telling you, or you even know it yourself, you know, okay, this is good for me. Changing that to intrinsic because you enjoy it, because that is one of my favorite things to say. That's when you switch from making excuses to not doing something to making excuses to do it. You go out of your way to do it. I know when I uh, made that switch because for my entire life I was the goofy theater kid. I wasn't into sports, <laughs> and finally started wrestling when I was 11, and I finally found something I enjoyed. And I was said, "Okay, I enjoy doing this, so I poured tons of energy into it, and I came and became really disciplined in that sense." But before, you know, I didn't like throwing a football or kicking a soccer ball that much. I didn't really find that enjoyable, so I never did it. I was just like, oh, well, I guess I'll I'm not healthy or active. It was just finding what you enjoy. So that's kind of what my whole platform is based on. And I know Damien and I share this, this value where we are our passion outright. Yes, a passion of ours is fitness, but the reason we are in this business is because we want and we love to help other people. And that... Is our greatest passion, and we use our other passion as a vehicle, fitness as the physical vehicle to deliver that passion and to deliver that aid or advice or assistance. Because when you do that and you're training with clients and you're working with people, it goes so far beyond the physical. It's rooted in the physical, but there's a whole tree, and it keeps going and going and going. And So yeah, that's, that's what I'm really built upon is I really like to break things down and focus on the why, the purpose, like we'll talk about in a little bit and just understanding when you break down and understand the little Lego pieces that make up your wellness. And I say wellness because I want to be general, Uh, your health and wellness, physical, spiritual, emotional, all those things. When you understand the pieces, one, they're uh, easier to digest, and two, you can attack them in a more detailed manner, designing a program, how you eat, how you sleep, and organize yourself in such a way so one, it's not daunting, and two, you've created a system that's actually progressive and won't just keep you in a little loop and you're not going anywhere, which some people get stuck in. So yes, as Damien, uh, and as he knows me personally, uh, I like to rant. I like to talk. I like to be goofy. And so a lot of my platform is conversation-based and I'll just sit and talk to you guys uh, for a while, looking into more biomechanics and a little more organized um, training uh, when we kind of get some more toys, when we're able to hop back in the gym and have more resources to us. But the root, I would say the root of um, I know, and like I said, Damien shares, me, shares this uh, idea with me is, yeah, just wanting to help people and have them understand that they have so much power within themselves that they only realize it. And it's not my job to tell you to realize it, but I hope my actions and my advice can help you yourself realize it, that
0: it's here. It's not anywhere out here. It's here. Yeah. Absolutely, man. That's my that, that was beautiful brought, brought a tear to my eye i'm gonna have to edit that out so that people don't see it no i'm just kidding I but you. <laughs> but um no elias hits on a lot of key points and if you got if you guys read about like i said in that first blog post i wrote a lot of, of i should say a main reason why elias and i are good friends and why we click so quickly together uh at our time at purdue and even now even though or basically on opposite ends of the country is we share a lot of the same values. you will hear him say things like discipline. You'll hear him say things like intrinsic or autonomy, right? These are all values that are explicitly stated as to why I started the shift method. And kind of like Elias said too, it's about changing your perspective, right? Going from one position to another. That is a shift. A shift is there's a bunch of definitions, but the verb to shift is, a smaller incremental change over time. I'm paraphrasing, but it's something similar to that. And that's very true in terms of forming habits or changing who you are as a person, right? If you want to adopt a healthy behavior, if I said Elias, you know, Elias hasn't worked out in 10 years, let's say, right. And he comes to me, he's like, I want to lose weight. I want to do these various goals. And he's like, okay, well, I haven't even worked out in 10 years. And if I, as a trainer say, all right, we're going to be working out five days a week. I want you to track your diet. I want you to start also exercising at home. And I want you to make these other behavior changes, right? If I just keep adding layers when he hasn't even started from baseline, hasn't even made one change, it's probably not going to happen, right? Shifting and adopting healthy habits over time is incremental. Right. And I know in America, we're the land of extremes. That's just how we are, right? We want to go from zero all the way to hundred right now. That's not how it works. Small changes every day getting better every week, every month. And before you know it, those small changes, those inches, right? Those inches over time, that's what adds up to miles. That's what adds up to long-term change. And like I said, Elias hit that perfectly in the head. It's those changes come from, yes, extrinsic does have its time and place, but personally finding joy in the process of what you're doing, right? Right joy in being physically active in whatever way that makes sense to you, right? Physical fitness doesn't look the same for everyone, nor, nor should it. It should match your interest and be something that you enjoy. So awesome, awesome job explaining what you're all about, Elias. So thank you for that. The next thing I kind of want to talk about is as Elias alluded to earlier, it's a great segue is this concept of purpose and why, right? So passion is important, right? Passion's the fire. It's pouring. It's, you know, getting ready, getting ready to go, getting energized. But purpose is the direction, right? Purpose is the map. Purpose is the car. So you know where you're going, right? So when we talk about our why and our purpose for why we created these, Elias, would you be able to illustrate for the people your purpose, your why and why you created the platform you did? So yeah, it kind of,
1: it all comes down to, okay, so I have this passion, which is fitness, right? I love the human body. Um, when I started wrestling when I was 11, I became obsessed. Like, you can see little like human person right there. Like, <laughs> I have a picture of uh, Gerard Butler as Leonidas like, in my room. I love the human body in all aspects, and that's why I think I kind of went into, of all the different um, kind of weightlifting or kind of forms of exercise, I loved bodybuilding because it did have such an aspect of art and self-expression. And for those of you who don't know, I grew up my entire life and all throughout high school, um, performing and in theater and doing shows and all kinds of things. So I found that this, this specific sport, my, this purpose was, um, or like in my sport of bodybuilding it's a way I could express myself. So I have that passion of the body. Now, I'm also a super empathetic communicator and um, extroverted person. I love communicating with you. No. Me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I realized, okay, I love helping people. I love working with people. I love fitness. I love what that does to the human body. What if I created a system that not only advanced and accelerated and added to, um, and mo- and helped motivate, find other people find motivation within themselves, um, with in the form of wellness. What if I do- help deliver that to them? And then I was like, what? Well, that can be like my career. That can be my job. <laughs> you are paid for that? <laughs> yes, like absolutely. So. And every single day, ever since I started working, when I started coaching when I was 15 or when I created my, um, like my little unofficial wellness business that was over, uh, overseen by my wrestling coach and two physical therapists in high school, and then when I finally actually launched my brand and became a personal trainer in college, um, is I've been doing this for whatever, eight years, and it's never felt like work. And that's the goal, Right for all of you listening like whatever it is that you're doing it doesn't have to be fitness find something to do that doesn't feel like work because you will just smile more which is what we should be doing anyways and you'll just enjoy your life and plus you want to you want to feed your life and be able to provide to your loved ones with something that you're happy doing you know it's a it's a great it's a great goal to push for Anyways, Elias ran. Here we go. Um, but I would say, yeah, my that purpose that I have in my heart is helping others see, allowing others, not allowing others because you do this to yourself, but um, assisting others in being more positive, or, or you know, in when they're in a gray area or in darkness, being progressive and being positive because it's not blind positivity and it's not toxic positivity toxic positivity for those of you who don't know is when you're speaking to someone and just, if they're confiding in, with you and they're speaking to you, trying to be emotional with you and say, Hey, this is going on in my life. You just say, Oh, well don't focus on the negative. Be more positive. That's po- toxic. Positivity. <laughs> and it's actually a bad thing. You want to shy away. From hey, that. just stop being depressed. Exactly. <laughs> Go to thing with my friends and we all kind of have exercise this. more, eat less. It's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You have this, um, and people don't even realize it. They think, oh, of course, positive. the more positivity you have, the better you'll be. But people s- fall into it, and, you, and I'm, and I'm a, uh, someone who's fallen into this as well, is you can't have a point where you are so positive, you become toxic in the way that your thoughts work is because you stop being progressive. Enjoy and allow yourself to, to celebrate yourself when you are experiencing something negative, acknowledge those feelings because your feelings are valid. But then don't just say, okay, but I need to be positive. Say, okay, I'm experienced this negativity. What are my tools so I can pick myself up again and learn from this experience, not forget it, mm-hmm. learn from it. This has to do, especially... As I'm in a super empathetic myself, so I'm going to use relationships because it's happened all the time. <laughs> We're talking about relationships uh, with a job. You know, you get a test grade. Don't forget it. Don't block it out of your mind because then you're just running away from it. But take it in, absorb it, own it, and learn from it. You don't want to be, start creating circles. You want to create a staircase. You want to be moving in a positive direction. So, yes, so I guess what I would say the mission statement or my general purpose is I want to assist others in switching that frequency that they have in their head when they're just going about their daily life. And it can be applied to fitness, but that's just one lens. You can apply it to everything. Since I've done this, you know, I've gone in my head and I've gone, you know, taken hammer to anvil, and I've changed kind of the way that I approach. Conflict. I become a lot. My my thoughts are much more, more like I'll use the word zen. I feel a lot more zen. I feel a lot more relaxed. I struggle with anxiety and and some forms of depression. And since I've done that, they've come way down. And then when I hit those rock bottom feelings, I already know that I'm going right back up. I don't sit there and fester. Mm-hmm. I know. What are my tools? What have I experienced? What are my questions? Who can I reach out to? Am I reaching out to too many people? Am I reaching out to the right people? Do I need time alone? All these questions, you kind of have time to speak to yourself and speak to others and affirm with yourself, and it takes time, you know? But the the first step is the hardest because it takes some ego death, as some people like to say kind of getting rid of the ego, looking at yourself in the mirror. It's the same as lowering the weight because it's too dang heavy. Yep. It's the same thing. It's that kind of progressiveness. The second you do that, and you take, have a little bit of that ego death, you skyrocket, and you become stronger. And I'm being vague when I say strong because emotional, you know, with relationships. In the gym, physically stronger, or faster, or more endurance, whatever, what, what have you. So... Yeah, that's my spiel. Uh, The purpose is to get others to think more critically, organically, and progressively
0: positively. (laughs) Very well put, man. Very well put. And yeah, to kind of, again, you're going to notice a lot of similarities with me and Elias. Um, I'll sue him for copyright later. But what I'm trying to get at is, like I said, we have very similar values. But when it comes to... The purpose of the shift method as i kind of mentioned right is to help with the physical activity and changing the culture of physical activity uh hopefully the world one day in the future but right now focusing on america because that's home for us um another big part of it is also which i had a great opportunity to start with at purdue RecWell well and at florida atlantic university at my alma mater for undergrad uh is to be a pillar of reputable education for fitness professionals and health professionals right Um, you know, exercise science, because it is a science, is uh, changing rapidly, right? One of the areas that I mentioned I focus on is pain and injury science, Um, but there's other things that are just going to change over time. A lot of things that I'm going to talk about on this podcast, within a decade, there's a good chance that a lot of it's going to be outdated and not true anymore. A lot of things we read in textbooks is outdated and not true anymore and that's not to knock the people who wrote the book right they had to lay the groundwork for us to be where we are today we have to respect that but i want to create a platform where i am creating a platform to be that source of conversation like we're having right now where we can openly discuss ideas where we can make mistakes where we can figure it out together put our brains together and see What can we do better? What might be the best course of action given the information we have right now? And maybe we can learn from each other and maybe we can get rid of old information, adopt new information, or maybe we can say right now, we don't know what the hell we're talking about and we need to put that in the bookshelf for right now and move on to something else. And ultimately being able to bridge these gaps, various health disciplines, try our best to sift through some of the, you know, pseudoscience and you know some of the um, outdated stuff so that we can move forward with our field because ultimately people trust us or at least people try to trust us and our responsibility is to provide the best information possible and a lot of that comes from I think you know Elias talked about ego a lot and that's a big thing with you know I adopt a certain amount of beliefs on a certain subject and then I just stick with it and I don't change. It's the ego, right? The ability to admit that you're wrong or that things have changed. But if I can sit down and have a conversation with Elias and we start with the same premise, same goal, which is we're here to help people. That's our goal. If we start from that place, man, we can go anywhere we want. Because if my goal ultimately is to help people, I'm more than willing to sacrifice my ego. I'm more than willing to say that I'm wrong. I'm more than willing to change my mind like that if that's what is required to help people. So working with individuals to make the country a better place, specifically helping people become more active and deal with and those dealing with pain injury, and also providing educational platform for fitness professionals to have conversations like this is one way to look at my purpose. Very good. So kind of the last thing we'll talk about here about our fitness platforms is this concept of taking action. And Elias, again, was, he's getting ahead of me on this, man. He's good. He's sharp. We were talking a little bit about how we get there and what that's like. I'll kind of start us off on this. So Elias and I had many a Starbucks conversations of Purdue about what we want to do, how we want to kick off this platform, what it's going to look like. And, you know, this is something that I personally struggled with growing up my entire life. And luckily, I think I've come to a place where I'm getting past it, right? Shouldn't say I don't care anymore, but that's kind of the attitude I approach anytime I want to do something with like an endeavor, right? And that is just taking action. One of my mottos is, or my tagline you can say is do the damn thing. Shout out to Katie Hoff who pointed out that I actually said that one time without even thinking about it. But when it comes to whatever it is you're trying to do, if you want to start a business, you want to start a podcast, You want to start a fitness account. You want to create some kind of, or you want to engage in some kind of entrepreneurial endeavor, right? Whatever it is you want to do, it is important to plan it out, right? You don't want to invest your life savings into something you know nothing about, right? You want to make a plan. You want to weigh out the pros and cons, but at the end of the day, you need to pull the trigger and do it because if you don't, if you wait for the right opportunity, you're going to be waiting for forever because there is no perfect time. And I mean that if you're thinking about doing it, do it. I wish there was a better way to explain it, but there really isn't. You have to be comfortable with the uncertainty of it, right? My, my train of thinking, I've talked with friends who are like this as well, is that the reason why we don't do it when we dig deep and we ask ourselves why we're not comfortable is we're afraid it's not going to be perfect. I have a very big problem with making sure that things are exactly as they should be. As you'll see for this podcast, I have notes and everything written on talking points, right? A little bit of a perfectionist reason being is I have problems with being wrong and I have problems with being wrong because if I'm wrong, that means I gave false information at that point in time to people, and then that means my reputation is on the line. But here's what I realized: you're going to be wrong, even at times that you don't know that you're wrong. And like I said, a lot of things that we talk about in this podcast or in future ones are going to end up being wrong in the future anyway. The best thing that you can do for yourself and to help other people is be honest, be genuine. If you don't know, say you don't know, but move forward with the information you have. And then when you hit a brick wall or when you can tell things are starting to change, own up to it and change the course of action. That's all you can do. The person who is, says, okay, I did my research. I got my stuff together. I'm going to take action now and then adjust on the fly is going to be eons ahead of the person who writes down and makes that perfect plan. Because eventually something's going to come up and that plan is going to have to shift. There's that word again. Shift. It's a great word. But things are going to happen where you're going to have to shift your plan again and you're going to have to make changes and you're going to make changes and you're going to make changes. And you're never going to do it. You have to take action, adjust as needed, and just keep pushing forward. Elias, what do you have to say about when it comes to you personally or just with friends and stuff you've experienced oh, so taking action?
1: I have a fun ag- anecdotal story for everyone. Let's
0: hear it. I love story time.
1: Was basically my action coach for my whole damn platform. <laughs> I was explaining to him. We would sit down when I first started working um, uh, with uh, Purdue Recwell with the training team. First, I was uh, worked with the operations, and then I when I became a trainer, worked over there. When I first started working there, I was like, man, I want to get to know my boss. And things went very very well. We became best friends, and. <laughs> um, so we, yeah, we would meet and for like, it's like Starbucks and we would chat for like an hour or two, like once a week, once every two weeks, as often as we could. And I had, and I still struggle with this, but I think as myself, I think I'm getting better at this. I have all these ideas in my head. And like, if you know me personally, or even from this podcast, you know, like the way I communicate is kind of all over the place. Not as, I have a lot of energy, but sometimes <laughs> it's to focus. So I have this plan. I have these ideas. I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. And I, was, I was explaining this to Damien, and then he was like, okay, so why don't you just create your page now and do it? And I was like, well, it's not perfect. I have all these ideas, and I don't have a camera equipment. I don't have an editing crew and a blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you have an iPhone, right? I said, yeah. And he's like, okay, you're done. That's it. I was like, but it's not perfect. He's like, nope, shut up you're done <laughs> and so i was still stubborn you know we went into the spring semester and i was like okay, starting to build some ideas formulate things and finally it took and with this kind of segue soon we're gonna we're gonna talk about covid in a second um it took the silence and the concentration of the quarantine of the shutdown to finally look at myself in the mirror and i was like okay Elias, you gotta just do it just do it it's not gonna be perfect but it doesn't need to be perfect because people aren't focusing on if it's perfect. And so guess what happened? I went in my backyard and sat in, a, in like one of the, my cushy chairs in the backyard and I have like a, like a little lounge area with a table, I put my iPhone in front of my face and I talked for like five minutes. And then I made a secondary video for like four minutes. And guess how I felt? Amazing! And guess what went away? All the anxieties and the worries and the this and the that and blah, 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 blah went right out the window. And I was like, I just made my first fitness video with information that I've studied for over eight years of things and ideas and, and opinions and cross-reference. And, and it just came out. And what was the most important thing that I loved about it? I had fun. I had so much fun doing it. And then what I do? I have my channel post it. I have people reaching out to me that I've maybe met once when I visited a friend at their college or, you know, in a different place, you know, friends of friends of friends reaching out to me all of a sudden, this is fantastic. This is wonderful. This is so cool. This is different. This is, you know, this is genuine, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect this. I put my heart out and said hey i want to help people i have information to share i don't know everything but let me tell you what i do what i do know and what i'm trying to know and what i'm trying to increase my knowledge of and not that i'm overly obsessing about the praise i got but it was something unexpected and i reached people i didn't expect to and that's a big kicker with what we're trying to do with our brands and in general like with fitness and reaching people and you can have an effect on people you do not realize. I think I'll let Damien explain this concept, but he explained one person knows one another person and through that they know, was it a thousand people?
0: Yeah. You can imagine within your lifetime that you'll have a thousand interactions in which you'll know someone on a somewhat intimate level, meaning you're go to the grocery store and you meet the clerk and you get to know their name because you see the same clerk all the time, right? Or the barista at Starbucks or your neighbor, right? I think it's safe to assume in your lifetime you'll meet a thousand people, right? And have that kind of interaction with. So yeah, Elias, do you want to continue that one or do you like me to explain it? Yeah, well
1: it's your idea. So I'll let you um just say with when it turns into three people especially how powerful that is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to remember, I think it was Dr. Jordan Peterson, he's a uh, clinical psychologist where I first heard this on some podcast on YouTube. Where yeah, so it's an arithmetic thing, right? So if Elias and I each know a 1,000 people, let's say, right? We're pretty extroverted people, so there's probably a good chance we've had at least a 1,000 people in our lifetime already. I think that's fair to say. We'll assume that each person we know knows 1,000 people, right? That puts you one person away from a million and two people away from a billion. And that's because of the wonders of this little thing right here and the internet, right? So... When you're starting your platform or your company or whatever, if one person likes your thing, if one person is commenting or sharing your thing, that's not trivial. I have 240 followers and I am stoked and I don't do it for the followers. I don't do it for the likes. I do it because I genuinely enjoy putting content that helps people and that it's engaging for them. There's nothing to do with me. I enjoy it because it's fun stuff I'm interested in, but it's for them. 240 people if each one of them knows a thousand do the math that reach is endless that reach is global so if you're doing it for the likes of one I would ask you to politely reconsider why you're doing something right i understand there's something to be said about making money in terms of reach in terms of reaching an audience and having clientele i get that but in terms of content creation right creative outlets in what you're doing right? You reaching one person means that that human being gave their time, their currency, which is not refundable. You can't buy it. Time. It is what it is. And they had the ability, they wanted to look at what you created and provided for them. And just know that that process is also exponential. There's also something that Elias and I have talked about called the Pareto distribution before, right? It's as you earn more, you accrue more and it compounds, right? It's something like, I hope I don't butcher up the law, right? There's my perfectionist in me talking again, but it's something like the square root of any creative endeavor is or the square. Yeah. The square root of any creative endeavor is produces half of the content. So for example, if you have a company of 10 people, square root of that, which is roughly three, create half the content. Okay. That sounds reasonable. Three create 50%. That's not crazy. But if it's a thousand, 10 people create half the content. And so you can see how over time, right in creative endeavors or domains, a small amount of people create the vast amount of the work that goes for musicians, creating records that goes for baskets to Gordon basketball. And it also seems to be like a natural law because that includes the size of stars, the size of cities. Right. And what this law is basically saying is as over time you accrue more and more and more, there kind of becomes like a critical point where it reaches like a threshold and you just skyrocket in terms of your availability, your reach. So all that's to say while you're creating an endeavor and you're reaching what seems like small amount of people know that, even if one person's engaging with you, that's meaningful because you're helping them and they have the potential to spread it to vast amounts of people. And that over time, those very small incremental changes or uh, interactions will compound greatly at a certain point into which your reach becomes essentially endless. So those are just some things to keep in mind while you're thinking about your platform. Lies, did you want to add anything on that before we head into COVID? <laughs> <laughs> we dive into that. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: um I think we Subtle
0: I think change. We about,
1: I think we talked about um I think we covered all the bases for that one.
0: Cool, cool, cool man. So yeah, COVID-19, that's a thing, right? We gotta talk about that, of course. Um Elias, I don't know if he said it, but Elias is actually from and I in his uh room right now out in SoCal. And I'm out in uh, Broward County in South Florida. So very different states and a lot of craziness happening with with the coronavirus. Elias, you want to briefly just talk about how it's affected you personally out there in SoCal?
1: Yeah. So my normal training is very high volume, but I use big toys. We get in the (laughs) gym and we use big things. And so when we came home, when I came home and we weren't, didn't have a gym, all I have is a pull-up bar, I'm able to do push-ups, I have a backpack. I became the backpack lord of fitness. <laughs> you know, I was doing what I call T-Rex backpack stiff-legged deadlifts and all kinds of weird things. But it was regardless of what I did, it's, it is difficult for especially, you know, strength athletes can share this. I um, can sympathize with this as well. It's a little bit different from endurance because you are working a little bit differently. It's hard to get that big, heavy stimulus and especially do isolation work. And all you've got is a pull-up bar, push-ups, and a backpack. And I was sitting at my heaviest ever, and, and I was starting to really feel comfortable about doing a push towards a bodybuilding show before COVID um, started. And I'm about five – I'm not very tall. I'm five nine. Um, and I was 172 pounds, feeling like a pretty strong workhorse. I was getting my pony legs and my gorilla chest. and I was feeling good. And then I came home and I didn't have that stimulus. And I also wasn't walking around campus. And between my work, uh, between work and class, I was walking about two hours a day. So I was spending 14 hours a week walking. That's a lot. I didn't even realize until I came home. And that really changed the way... I was getting in all my way more than my um, prescribed or minimum cardio that my body needed um, without even realizing it. And so that stimuli, tons of the stimuli changed. And so we came home and I'm basically operating out of this room. I get out of bed and I finish the semester right here in this desk. And yes, I was doing my at-home workouts. I would go on jogs a little bit and the stimulus wasn't the same, and no matter what I did, and I know a lot of you guys can sympathize with me, I lost. I lost about. I just weighed myself today. I have lost now fourteen pounds since I can't come home. Now, did that scare me? Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I, out. I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, because especially in a sport where you're can, kind of, you know especially the 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 cycle I was in was for a a lean bulk and trying to. Um, increase uh, muscle mass and lean body mass that was scary but what has what has this encouraged me to do is one respect myself and know that i'm something other than a physical being i'm something other than just a bulk or a cut i'm a human being with feelings and emotions and you know i'm very fortunate to have a roof over my head and have running water and have loved ones and that honestly has been the biggest part. I will say the biggest part of my fitness in COVID is focusing on those parts of my wellness. Am I staying healthy? Am I moving around? I'll be honest. It has been hard for me to make that switch. And, you know, because I don't have my fun toys or whatever, I don't have the gym. It is, it did show a challenge at first, even though, okay, sure. I'm a personal trainer. Sure. I have this new job at blah, 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 blah. I'm a person with feelings. And I didn't have what I was used to, so that was an adjustment. And it was a bigger adjustment than I realized. But what do I realize now? Okay, I can still be healthy. I can still focus on my relationships. This is a point in time that where I don't know how long it will take. And we can all make positive uh, ch- adjustments in our life to come back to safety sooner in this country. Um, it's momentary. And I can get back to the idea of, okay, now I want to be 175 pounds, you know, like it's some body weight, it'll come, you know, I'm okay, you know, I'm loved and that's all that matters. So I will say, yeah, where my biggest challenge presented to me soon turned into a huge lesson of to know and respect this passion of mine, which is fitness, but to even understand, and I'm talking to both people that are new intermediate and other health professionals that are, spe- that are I'm listening right now, don't get overly wrapped up in the physical aspect of this job, mm-hmm. or of this passion or of this universe, because it's so much more than physical. If you're out there right now and be like, oh, you know what, I was on the water polo team and I'm a stud and you know I'm, I'm jacked and I have great genetics, I'm gonna be a personal trainer. You're doing it for the wrong reason. If you are all those things and you love to help people, boom, you just crack the case. There you go. That is awesome. <laughs> but if you're only doing it because you know you've had anecdotal positive experiences, or maybe you've had some beginner's luck and beginner gains, you're doing it for the wrong reason. So make sure when you're doing something as yep. you know as 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 um as eager or as or as as large as wanting to be a fitness professional because it's it's large because you are responsible for other people. That's a big thing. That's the only reason why I'm saying it's a big thing to do. You are responsible mm-hmm. for at least one other person at a time. Take in that consideration because you don't want your lack of preparation to cause someone to get hurt. That we, that's what we want to avoid. So I'll say another lies (laughs) right. Um, yeah. COVID. What did it show? What did it reveal to me that? Yes. Or maybe remind me. Yes. I am in an aesthetic physical sport, but what does that sport mean to me? What is it? What do I feel like when I don't have it? And was I depending on it too much? Yes, I used it as a form of meditation every day or almost every day. But if I don't have it, will I be distraught and depressed? If that's so, maybe you aren't pouring enough time into your relationships, into other avenues of, of well-being. So Absolutely. And so I'm sitting here, you know, where I don't have my workhorse body. I don't feel like a big, strong,
0: whatever. <laughs> here, I'm strong. Here, I'm strong. So any and for those listening and maybe not visually seeing it, Elias is pointing to his head and his heart. Yes. That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. that. That's a big thing.
1: Yeah. And Absolutely. those are most important because those are consistent. And those are what going to allow you to increase your physical fitness, whatever.
0: Absolutely. Other moments of wellness. Elias, I just wanted to say first and foremost, uh, the water polo community is going to come after us. Just so you know. So, hey, I use them as that. an example.
1: <laughs> so they should feel great because water polo is one of the best sports you can do. A lot of Navy SEALs don't catch <laughs> water polo
0: players. Listen, if, if the water polo community wants to catch these hands, then, you know, I'll see you on dry land. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Can't swim.
0: Will not be in the water. Do not function yeah. very well there. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. You had a very unique experience because. California, and I think SoCal in general had a very roller coaster like open here, close right? situation, right?
1: And I will say really quick, um, I got so I got home for spring break. Spring break has lasted five months now.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still on spring break. Anyway, I, I came home for spring break, and it's like, oh, never went back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's crazy because most of my clothes are in Indiana back at school. I came home with a suitcase. Twice the size of my laptop. So I've been wearing um, spring clothes for a while. I've only been home. I've been wearing, you know, basketball shorts and tank tops for the most part. Um, Not complaining. Got really nice time with my family and close friends who I have been able to zoom in a few of them see safely. But yeah, it was a roller coaster. I got here and my buddy Sean and I, who's a power lifter, uh, we went. And it's funny, We he does his powerlifting and I do my, my bodybuilding hypertrophy, but we kind of meet in the middle and take breaks and communicate. It's really fun, really nice system we've created. And we have um, we went to our gym that we love um, down, like about, it's about 20 minutes away. And we bought a day pass and not our normal membership because we weren't sure what was going to happen the next day yep. <laughs> because that's when the announcement was coming. And You could feel it in the air. Everyone was like, something's (laughs) happening. It was like a dog before an earthquake happens. It was like, weird. I'll tell you, it was one hell of a workout. It was awesome. But then we had the great shutdown and we were closed for about three months and two and a half months of that, maybe two Mm -hmm. months of that, we didn't have any, anything. Any yeah. and had a pull-up bar, we were just doing I you know, my friend was doing deadlifts with a broomstick and backpacks hanging off of him. Like we got creative. <laughs> I know and, it was pain. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was very fortunate enough to have another powerlifting buddy of mine, uh John, who was actually my very, very, very first unofficial client in high school, uh, made an amazing, amazing transformation. He was 5'9", about 245 uh, pounds in ninth grade. And through college, he went down, he he, he was a little bit taller, he um, was 5'11", and then got down to about 185 pounds of muscle. And now he's, since engaged in powerlifting, he's gotten to about 220 pounds of pretty lean, increasingly leaning muscle. Pretty amazing transformation. Shout out to John, you're awesome dude. But he very generously first bought his own squat rack and Sean bought a bench. They combined forces and they were like, hey, Elias, you want the ability to mooch off of us for a little bit? And I very thankfully was like, you guys are awesome. So I was able to create a little bare bones barbell program for myself, slowly making my way up. Gym's open for about a month, four weeks. I got four weeks in, I got to gain about five pounds back. And then we closed again, and I've since lost all that weight again. <laughs> but it's okay, <laughs> it's okay, because It's coming back, and I'm and I'm, you know, the the wrestling. And you're heading back to Indiana
0: anyway, so you'll be exactly. at Recwell, so you'll be able to use their exactly. stuff.
1: Exactly, and and for those of you who don't already know, Purdue Recwell has created a pretty impressive system to keep people safe. Yes, they have. They've are. used all the space that they would have group sports and group activities that we are no longer able to offer because of social distancing and they've moved a lot of the equipment, especially cardio equipment into those spaces. One were more spaced out and two on the floor in the actual gym, that's more spaced out as well. Where we know if you know the room with all the mirrors and the dumbbells are on one side of the room and you can kind of have two rows of benches. Now the dumbbells are in the middle. So we only have to be moving this way except mm. um, opposed to this way. Minimal right. movement, more spacing, um, limited amount of people in the gym. Yes, it's frustrating, but we're doing what we can with what
0: we have, and we're trying to be active. And that's all that matters. You might so, say yeah. they're just doing the damn thing, right?
1: Yeah, they might just say they're doing the damn thing that's right. safely.
0: safely. Safely, they're doing it very safely. Uh, doing what they can.
1: But yeah, I know, I know, Damien, you might have had a similar, same, same, but different um, experience in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us about tell us about your experience coming home, moving home,
0: exercising with toys, without toys, etc. Yeah, absolutely, man. So yeah, I <laughs> went home for spring break, and I guess spring break is still going on or something like that. But uh, <laughs> I I went home. I flew to visit my girlfriend. I think on Friday. I think it was a Friday in March thirteenth. I think. Yeah. Yeah, something like that around spring, like right before spring break, to go visit her in Georgia, and then right after I came home, so it's like, well, I'm it's spring break, you know, I'm gonna, I guess I'll just go home for a week and then fly back, and so I fly home, I did a couple job interviews, and then all the news starts popping up, like probably gonna go into a lockdown, and the school sends out an email, Purdue, they're like, if you can stay home, you probably should stay home, and my boss is like, yeah, you can stay home, I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just chill out in Florida for a couple weeks until figure that out. Fast forward. I only went back one time. That was to get my car and all my belongings from my apartment because I had to get my stuff still up in Indiana. So did that journey. Um training wise I was doing a hypertrophy program. But of course the gym shut down. So it became a uh God, a high rep hypertrophy program, which you know if you got to do what you got to do. But man, each set of squats felt like a hundred meter sprint against Usain Bolt in which I was Obviously, losing horribly. It was not fun at all. Um, I was using like a pe- some kind of like makeshift broomstick, and I had cement that I put in bags, like cement mix that I got from Home Depot. I loaded up my backpack with. Luckily, I did have a couple of adjustable dumbbells. I think that went up to about I'll say 30, 35 pounds, and I could like take the plates, take them off, put them in the bags of the backpack with the concrete. So I was doing like a earthquake bar, bench press, squat, overhead press, and it. It kind of did the job, but it got to a point where I was doing, you know, sets of 30 plus and for hypertrophy going any higher isn't really uh beneficial. So, yeah, I did that for about a month. I got relatively lean because like Elias, I was trying to get big, gain some weight. And then gyms did open back up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, gyms did open back up. And as I mentioned, I live in Broward, so it's weird because Miami and Broward have been hit particularly hard. It's one of the more populated counties in the state and they have a lot of travel, especially Miami, obviously a very big tourist spot. The County just above it, West Palm has always been on a different side of the quarantine. So I would go there to, you know, just shoot basketball by myself for cardio because all the courts down here were, you know, shut down or they took off the rims of the courts. That way you couldn't play basketball or I would try and go to some gyms up there for like a day pass or something. Uh, But eventually they shut down at some point too. And then luckily everything opened back up. And I've been going to the gym at one of my local LA fitnesses since. Um, There's an ordinance you have to wear a mask, which I'm totally fine doing. But working out, especially doing indoor resistance training, it's not really too bad. Um, But there was a little bit of a scare because Miami was talking about almost shutting down again. And right before they did, I believe it was the mayor of Miami actually had a conversation with some gym owners in the area. And he completely changed his mind and said, actually, I think we're going to stay open if you're a gym, just if you, you are required at this point now to wear a mask, and the entire time you're inside, not, you can take it off when you're at your place, like, no, it's got to be on the entire time, and Broward County kind of followed suit and said, yep, when you're inside, the second you walk in to the second you walk out, mask is on, even if you're doing cardio, so I was like, hey, man, like, I'll do whatever I got to do just to keep the gym open, so I've, like, luckily been very thankful that I can continue a hypertrophy based program and I don't have to go back to sandbags and PVC pipes. Cause earth getting a little rough there, man. Stick. <laughs> God. Yeah. Do not want to go back to that. Cause that was We'll
1: called Damien, oh,
0: the fitness witch of Florida. Dude, it was not it. good. It was, not good. <laughs> I mean, it was a different challenge for sure. Cause like I said, it was like an earthquake bar when I was lifting because it was just so wobbly, but not again, please. So yeah. So that's our experience overall dealing with it. And we talked a little bit about our goals and how we've ha- kind of had to just programming, um, in terms of how we can maybe give some guidance to the people of as a trainer, let's say you're working with someone and let's take it from the perspective that even if they have gym access, maybe, you know, some people aren't comfortable going back to the gym right now or yeah. wearing a mask is very difficult for them because maybe they aren't, uh, as in good a shape, or maybe they have trouble just breathing in general with the mask on. So I'm stuck at home. And I don't know what to do. What are some things that, or what's some advice as a personal trainer that we can give the people who are working out at home to help them still be active during this time?
1: Biggest thing, and this, I think I am allowing myself to feel this as well. This is not a period. I mean, if you do create this for yourself, awesome. Because I've seen some pretty impressive, impressive progress with people Mm -hmm. doing amazing things with bare minimum tools but for the majority of people it can be hard to find that same stimulus as a gym win. yeah find this time i would say to just you're you're oiling the machine you're keeping the gears moving because you're preparing your body to enter the auto shop once again you're not in there right now putting in the new engine You're not putting in new tires. Right now you're at home in your garage, literally. Mm -hmm. Sometimes some people literally (laughs) with your own oil and you're tuning things and you're making sure the car is running because we want to, if at least in the bare minimum, we don't want to go backwards. Mm We want to at least stay, maintain, maybe push a little bit and we're moving a little bit this way because we don't want to go back. And I even had that for myself. I went backwards. Did I fester in it for too long? No. Did I, now am I getting back on the horse and knowing what that feels like, using that energy to get back on the horse? Yes. But I will say, as the backpack fitness lord, (laughs) you have a backpack or a bag and a couple of books, not even crazy weight. You can do something to move and be healthy i'm actually i have my own um online program of uh, a fitness program uh, business as i know um, damien offers similar um services um, on his website go check that out and i am currently writing programs for people one guy is actually um working at a family summer camp and has a whole home gym or has a whole like little gym in their facility so he's got a whole gym so i'm writing just normal workouts for him Mm -hmm. and i've got three others who are stuck at home with nothing else and i said okay do you need anything no can you use a backpack yes could you go outside sure do you have a yoga mat or something like a carpet okay that works if not just go on the hardwood or whatever are you able to maybe invest in a pull-up bar? Sure. If not, fine. We can make adjustments and do things without equipment. Absolutely. So for the most part, they're doing things like they felt comfortable to invest in a pull-up bar, which is like 30 bucks for a really nice one. If you're looking on Amazon, go check that out because it's not that much. Where a gym membership, gym membership might be 30 bucks for a month. That's up to you to decide. Mm-hmm. regardless you can do these bare bones minimal programs and still advance your fitness push-ups pull-ups running sprinting sit-ups um, in your room hit the past two weeks I've um, we run at uh, pretty While we run uh, something we call be uh, virtual workouts of the day and we're running strength classes hit classes everyone's in their living room in their kitchen you know, you can do, you can be active without equipment. It might not be advancing you to the specific goal that you're used to focusing on, but you're oiling the gears so that when you get back in the gym, you hit the ground running and you're not spending weeks, if not months, gaining it all back. You know, you're cranking, getting the rust off. Yep. You're able to be in a form or be in a place of fitness and wellness that your body can be like, okay, I'm used to moving in general. So now I will adapt to higher stimulus faster.
0: Absolutely. And kind of like you said, Elias, is that there's might be a common misconception that, and and it's true for some goals, like if you are a intermediate to advanced lifter when it comes to strength training, specifically if you're a barbell athlete, yes, this might be a difficult time if you don't have a barbell at home. But if you're trying to just work on general fitness, endurance, even hypertrophy, if you have minimal to no equipment, you can still, at the very least, maintain what you have. Right? You know, we went with hypertrophy. You can get it upwards to you know twenty to thirty repetitions as long as you train to or near failure, and still elicit some kind of hypertrophic response. That can be if you you know for if you're doing a chest workout, or body specific. Are you doing pushups? Can you do decline pushups with your feet elevated? Can you do? push ups with a backpack on to where maybe you can only do sets of 10 to 12, right? There's ways you can still uh, produce those responses. You might have to get creative. Backpack is a great thing. Resistance bands can be very, very helpful because you can, if you have something to hook it onto, you can adjust the resistance by getting further away from the anchor. Um, Maybe it's time to start incorporating some isometrics, right? You can do well sets if you have water bottles, right? Even if you need to start with, you know, Holding, uh, you know, each water bottle is usually a pound. They're about 16.9 ounces each water bottle. If you got a case of 24 or 24 pack of water bottle. That's about a 25 pound plate right there. You can do squats with that. Put some books in your backpack. You can do squats with that. You can do overhead press, right? There's a lot of different things you can do with household items. And it's going to be a little bit awkward, which actually might create a unique stimulus for you as opposed to going to the gym. But it might just be what you need right now to hold you over, Right. A lot of talked about, like, you know, the idea is not to go backwards. Like, it's just okay to maintain. Like, a lot of people are saying, if you don't come out this quarantine with learning five new languages and, you know, hitting a new PR and everything, and you didn't do it right, it's like, nah, let's chill out for a sec, right? Yes, you should still be active. And, you know, at minimum, we're trying to hit those ACSM guidelines, right? Are we getting at least 150 minutes of moderate or 75 minutes of vigorous physical activity, right? That could be walking, that could be doing. Yard work at a certain intensity, and then hitting each muscle group two times a week doing resistance training. Right, that could be body weight, or maybe adding a little bit of weight, like we said with books or book pack, um, backpack or whatever. Two times a week hitting each muscle group. Right, if you can do that, and eventually, right, not everything's not going to be shut down forever. We it is going to come to a point where hopefully we can go back to the gym or at least get back to our facilities in some capacity. Like Elijah said, you'll be better prepared to tackle it because. The first thing everyone's going to want to do, especially people who have been lifting for a little bit, and I know because I had to stop myself, is as soon as the gym opens up, you're going to want to go back and have crazy work. Because you haven't been in a long time. You're going to be like a kid in a candy shop. And of course, there's always that fear in the back of your head like, is this going to shut down again? Right? It's better to be a little bit prepared that way when you go into the gym. You can do things moderately, but you don't have to start from more or less square one as opposed to not doing anything and then just jumping and getting all excited. That's how you know injuries and things like that can occur, going from zero to a hundred without any prep in between. But yeah, I'm I'll just echo everything Elias said is, you know, find some things that you can use, whether it's backpacks, water bottles, how you can load them. Um YouTube is a great resource. There's plenty of free fitness videos that you can find out there if you type in like no equipment or minimal equipment. Core work is relatively easy to do and modify. Cardiovascular, right, you can do various types of walking, jogging, um, you know, aerobic based exercises that are just body weight. There's plenty you can do. And last point I'll say is like Elias mentioned is that we offer fitness programming. I have clients who both have equipment and don't. So I have to program for people who are at home and maybe all they got is a mat and a staircase and that's all they got. So if you are looking for someone to help program you or some guidance, you can go ahead and contact us whenever you feel like it. So that takes care of that thing. The last point that I kind of want to get here, just real quick, Elias, if you have anything to add to this, is kind of where do you or what do you think COVID 19's impact will be for the fitness industry moving forward? Right? I'm optimistic that, you know, eventually, probably sometime in 2021, this will be something that we figured out. Hopefully, the vaccine comes out, we get it taken care of, we find safer ways to operate. And we go back to somewhat of a normal life and function in the States. But this kind of exposed the vulnerability of the fitness industry. And and I don't say that, you know, happily, I say that in the sense that, you know, physical fitness and paying for it as a service is a luxury, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, when the gym shut down, a lot of people were hit very, very hard. So Elias, what do you think this might look like for our field moving forward? I
1: definitely, so my favorite part of this job is the day-to-day in-person interactions because all my clients, I have each built a really special friendship with them and know them in a way which we're talking we we're able to trust each other because it's so important, know them in a way where we get to just, you know, between sets we're just talking, we're laughing, we're having fun, And that doing that, even over Zoom, that changes.
0: Yep. So. Can't replicate it, man. Can't replicate the in-person. It's so
1: special and it's so Mm -hmm. awesome. And that also serves as a reminder of how awesome that is. And so once we do return to value and not take that for granted. That being said, absolutely. Spacing, groups, in-person training. I think, thank, thank, thank goodness we have things like Zoom and you know other webcam, video chatting um, capabilities where we're still able to connect, but it is more difficult. Maybe that requires for a more intricate organizational presentation from the personal trainer when they're not speaking, so, that, so the client can understand and better understand how to do something. I will say, the hardest thing I think I've run into, not barrier but obstacle I've run into, with my clients is instructing how to do exercises. <laughs> because in the gym, I can see them right there; they're doing it right there. Oh, okay, yep. I can palpate this. can do you mind if I touch you? I can palpate this and you know show this, demonstrate it myself. I always do that before. That's a system that um, Damien <laughs> highlights. Um, Uh, a lot as well, a tell show do, you know, they do it and perform it. That's like the very last thing that they do first you talk to them about it. Then you show them you, the expert in the field who's done this, hopefully has been studying this for a while and taking the time to, you didn't just get your certificate and being like, okay, I'm a fitness expert. And that's a whole other conversation we'll get into maybe in a little bit. I think there's a lot of merit behind that. That scares me. Um, but yeah, it's the it's the um. Damien and I have a lot of inside jokes about this as well. Just like,
0: don't do it to like, him. Don't do it to him. It
1: to him. Um, <laughs> um, just yeah, it's the idea that um, yeah, communication is difficult, it and is communication it is. is the most important thing, or at least one of the most important things. Absolutely. So Absolutely. finding ways to improve communication and better uh, reveal how to do things. So do I have all the answers? No, I don't. but do I know that some kind of, you know, better systems should be looked into to further demonstrate how we are presenting information and how we can do so safely? Because that's also another thing. It's one thing if I'm standing behind you when when there's a barbell on your back and I'm saying, okay, here, you're going to do these squats. I've I've told you how to do them. I've shown you how to do them. We watched videos, how to do them. Now you're going to do them. I'm behind you. I got you. We've got safety racks versus maybe someone got a squat rack at home and they're by by themselves and they've never done a squat. I've showed them, I've sent them videos. We've talked on zoom for five hours, but you know, you know, Tamara, it's her first time doing it and I'm not there. And her family's not there and she's going to try it. That's it's, it's, it's different. It's a little more risky. So Being able to present information safely and more accurately and with detail, that's, that's a challenge.
0: Absolutely. The one thing that I'll – I guess two things I'll add to that is one thing that I harp yeah. on my trainers is adaptability. A good trainer is adaptable to any situation, right? The, when we do the ACE personal training prep course, uh, it tends to go between 4 p.m. and 5.30 p.m., And for those who are typically in a gym, specifically Purdue Rec. Well, they know how busy 4 PM to 5 30 PM can be on any given day. When we train them and we throw them into the fire, a little bit of controlled chaos is what I like to call it of having them train each other. We do it at around 4 PM when the gym is packed, because I want to see when your plan for lack of a better term, you know, Runs into a brick wall. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do when every single machine on your program is taken? What are you going to do when there's no squat racks available and the next one won't be available for half an hour? What are you going to do when all the cardio equipment is gone and the personal training studio is filled? What are you going to do? You got to be able to adapt, adapt, adapt. And there was no bigger test for adapting than a global pandemic. And to kind of segue into the second point I mentioned is online training is one of the main adaptations. I've been doing online training for a while and I've actually probably for about almost three years at this point. I did it a little bit back in my alma mater at Florida Atlantic. And I always thought that while this will never replace in person, like Elias said, it it never will because you can't replicate that interaction. It's a good, affordable substitute, especially for people who have a, a decent understanding or experience working with a fitness professional or fitness, right? Someone who's brand new and has no experience may not necessarily be the best avenue only because it's, it's very difficult to communicate as effectively over this platform, but I was doing Skype calls and sending my clients programs through Excel and we were making it work, man. And I think a lot of people at the time were like, ah, this is just like a fad. It's one of those fitness trends. Like it's not going anywhere. Oh, it's staying. Online training is the new platform because if I have a client who's really into fitness or is competitive and they just want someone to write a program, why should they have to pay for a personal trainer? Why not pay an affordable rate? for monthly subscription. And then I can use a training platform. Like I use train heroic personally, shout out to train heroic. They are an awesome platform. Or if you use something like true coach, or even if you do Excel or Google sheets, whatever, and I can send you the program. So that way you already know what you're doing because you're proficient in movement. You just need a coach to program for you. Or if maybe you want to work with a coach, but it's a little bit expensive. Maybe I want a more affordable option to where I can do virtual training at my gym or at my, home where I have equipment and my coach can be there live with me like Elias and I are right now in this conversation. So online is a good adjustment because while it isn't as personable, this can't go anywhere unless the internet shuts down, right? And there's times where the connection's funky and it's a little cumbersome and, and frustrating. But as long as someone has you know, space on their floor in their living room and an internet connection, I can train anyone. You could, you could be halfway across the world and I can work with you. Pandemic or not, this isn't going anywhere. And it's for the better because that means that our reach has just gone even further, which means more people have the opportunity to be physically active. So I think initially it might've not been taken as serious, but definitely now people realize like, wow, online programming, like not only can it help gyms find a new source of income, especially when things are unstable, but we can also help people be more active especially for that intermediate group who maybe doesn't really need a coach in person, yeah. but wants some guidance. So yeah, definitely, definitely a good platform on that. And that brings us to our last talking point, Elias, and that's going to be your specialty, your yeah. neck of the woods, and that is bodybuilding. Yes. And you talked a little bit about your experiences with it, how you kind of uh, got into it and, and how your, your program is kind of going right now. Despite everything, the the first point I want to start with is we hear the term bodybuilding and hypertrophy thrown around kind of yeah. bit right, and I think a lot of people might be confusing. It's like, are they the same thing? Yeah. What does it mean? Like, what is the difference between the two? Can you like distinguish what those are for us? Absolutely.
1: So, at least personally, my opinion, you have hypertrophy, which is Simply increasing lean body mass, gaining muscle, getting swole, whatever, what have you. And um, if you guys check out my page, I actually just a few weeks ago, just released a video defining and going over the parameters of what hypertrophy is and how you elicit a hypertrophy response from your body.
0: Also, shout out to Austin Lee, the hypertrophy man himself.
1: Yes, Yes, the man himself. He actually helped helped me organize and uh, put together those points as well. Um, but so you have hypertrophy, which is at its base, at its root, increasingly in body mass. Now, strength athletes also do this. They're increasingly in body mass for the most part to have a greater capacity to lift more weight. You know, you have even, uh, um, where, um, athletes might be and some more than others, but let's say of, uh, a football lineman. Mm-hmm they're engaging in hypertrophy program as well or hypertrophy aspects in their programming as well as strength because they're increasing their mass they, that's that will serve them in their sport to be larger and stronger
0: this is kind of like that off season principle right like i've exactly. gone through competition i've taken exactly. my little break and now cuz you know while strength and hypertrophy aren't exactly right linked up together Generally, a larger muscle, more cross-sectional area, has a greater potential to produce force. Exactly. Even though exactly. strength is a neural adaptation, exactly. bigger muscle, greater potential. Why not develop that at some point in our training program before now? Exactly. It's basically like you have this
1: high-powered jet that is the nervous system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the longer you make that runway, and imagine imagine this runway is you're playing Super Mario, and it's the and it's the speed boost that you get. Yeah, That's what that is. The longer that runway is or the lo- greater that muscle is, the more speed, the more strength
0: you're able to build. I don't know why I just came up with that metaphor, but it did. And I think it hey, works. You made it, you, made it work. <laughs> you made it work. You made it work. Um, Off the cuff. Take one.
1: <laughs> yeah. so that's in a nutshell, hypertrophy. Bodybuilding is the sport of bodybuilding. What is that? That is the more, the more focused, aesthetically focused proportionally or disproportionately focused idea of sculpting a body. The reason why I think, and I spoke to this a while ago, the reason why I love this sport so much is because it checks off both boxes of my passions. I have the art. I have performing and I have the expressiveness in my spirit. And I also have the physical. I have the, you know, the fitness. I have these two kind of fires. And putting those together or bodybuilding checks off both of them. I'm able to, me, at least for me, bodybuilding is the more. Um, artistic expressiveness that I engage with with my body through hypertrophy
0: I'm using hypertrophy that's a great metaphor bodybuilding exactly. is the ex- artistic expression of hypertrophy
1: exactly
0: I like that exactly. a lot so and hypertrophy is like a factor that contributes into that is, the ultimate goal or aesthetic of the exactly.
1: exactly exactly it's like um like um, Formula One racing is to bodybuilding as speed is to um, hypertrophy. I speed and hypertrophy, those are the scientific like factors that you will use. I see. You know, if you like cars, you get in your car and you drive fast and you like speed. That's, that's your general hypertrophy program. But if you are a bodybuilder or if you're a Formula One racer, you will use speed or hypertrophy in that example as your tool or as one of your tools to elicit those goals from hypertrophy.
0: And I think that's very um, important to distinguish, right? Because, well, you have maybe, you know, and this isn't knock the bros. I'm trying to be a bro myself right now. I'm trying to, you know, get bigger, trying to put on some lean mass, but I don't have aspirations of being in a bodybuilding competition. Um, or, you know, men's, uh, competition. Elias, can you, now that we have that distinction as to yeah. hypertrophy being the factor that contributes to the ultimate goal of bodybuilding, what might some of the training parameters look like the difference? Like if you're just training straight up hypertrophy, just trying to get bigger versus yeah. you're trying to compete in a show, right. what might some distinct programming parameters look like for that?
1: So you have, that's a really good distinction. So you will have the initial, maybe seemingly similar programming of just increasing lean body mass, maybe accumulating more fat. And those two things are happening parallel to each other. Where they branch off, if we are preparing for a show, is maybe then in the strength athlete, we have hypertrophy building, and then we use that increased mass and jump it more to, towards strength a strength rep scheme and take advantage of that mass for whatever sport. For a bodybuilding competition, it's not opposite, but it is different. We have that accumulation of mass. Now we hit a cut or, or a more focused prep. We've hit a point where now we are maybe adjusting our diet and our program to lose, to get as lean and as dry as possible with still maintaining as much, lean body mass possible. So when we get on stage, we're able to present that body without fat and water getting in the way. There's a big difference. Now, here's something that I thought is really interesting. On game day, for a power lifter and a bodybuilder, energy levels are completely different. On a game day for a power lifter, you're jacked up. You're trying to lift some heavy-ass weight. You're trying to go crazy. (laughs) For a bodybuilder, that might just be your weakest day of the year because you have dehydrated, Mm -hmm. you have a lower income of nutrients in general, which are, if you are doing this, let me clarify, if you are doing this, do this safely with a nutritionist and or doctor because people have gotten hurt or even died doing this improperly and i speak to those maybe to ju- choosing fad diets without educating themselves in general before and i'm not a nutritionist so i can't tell you what to eat but i can educate you on this simple fact if you before you go off the rails and to not off the rails but before you take it upon yourself to completely alter everything you're putting in your body speak to a professional mm-hmm like a doctor and or a nutritionist registered dietitian, I should say before making those changes because they might allow you or show you or reveal to you a system that you can eat in a way and you and and, and nourish yourself that's healthier and tastier. Mm-hmm. Maybe cutting out everything except a cube of cheese once a week isn't the way to do it? That's a reference from the movie *A Devil Wears Prada*. Um, <laughs> yeah. Made in the early 2000s. I have every movie in the early 2000s program. Remember, in remember, ladies and um,
0: gentlemen, he's a theater kid. All right, let him have right. this moment.
1: Yeah, yeah remember this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Brad. I'm not a Chad. I'm what they call a Trevor. Uh, <laughs> that's what i that term. Yeah, I start Which, calling you Trev. Yeah, that's <laughs> Trev. Um, it's just like a fitness, empathetic, like, dude, whatever. Yeah, yeah, And for all you Trevors out there, I meet in the gym. I, I, see, I feel you guys. Shout out. Um, but no, yeah, so that's the one. That's the main difference.
0: Um, and what's unique, I just, I just thought of this, actually. There are, because I like the distinction we're talking, like, athletic performance, or even if you're just, like, trying to gain muscle and size in general versus the competitor's side of bodybuilding, is that there are some sports that, do both. Yeah. Wrestling is a good example.
1: Oh yeah. You right.
0: have to make their sports or, or if you're involved in MMA or even if you're involved sometimes in powerlifting, you are trying to be the strongest at a lower weight class.
1: Exactly.
0: So there are times where the goal is not aesthetic, yeah. but because of the requirements and the cutting of the sport, would yeah. you say that you almost fall into a Aesthetic like programming to help meet the demands of your sport and weight class.
1: It's very similar. So when I wrestled in high school, I wrestled from when I was 11 years old all the way through my junior year of high school, where I suffered my second uh, stress fracture to my L4 vertebrae and I'll Mm -hmm. run through my, uh, since we're talking about bodybuilding for a second, I'll kind of tell you my whole life story and summed up and I've got, I've been telling the story for a long time, so I can sum it up. really Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's very interesting. You as a wrestler, you primary the everyone's thinking, oh, wrestler, strong, strength. Not, not that's not the primary goal. It's your mind, which should be a, your primary. No goal. one mentally tougher man,
0: athletic-wise that I've exactly. ever met. Wrestlers exactly. are a different breed, man.
1: Exactly, and that's that's the mindset that I I will fully. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Bodybuilding is 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 so much fun and stress-free in my opinion because i get to eat for the most part unless i'm unless i would do a prep um i get to eat and i get to lift big heavy weights for fun and do all this and blah 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 and focus on contraction wrestling it's mind-based and endurance space yes we do some strength training to try and be as strong as possible but it's to be as yes as lean as possible as safely as possible while performing as highly as possible. So I almost equate.
0: Yeah, it's like a power endurance I, sport while in a caloric deficit. It's insane. Exactly. It's insane.
1: It's, it's crazy, man. And I was lucky enough to be from a very lean family wrestling as a lightweight where I had a fast metabolism and I was able to not have to suffer as much as others did. But. There came the last week or two of, of a match approaching or the day before, like we would, um, and this is, and in, in wrestlers, I think, in different similar sports, weight cutting sports, should I, I think, in, just in terms of health standards, should identify this to do this safely because people have yeah. died doing this um, and dehydrating and stuff. Literally, I remember this. I would step on this scale the night before a match, um, at our last practice and my coach would look at me straight face. He goes, okay, you can have dinner tonight. <laughs> like uh, uh, one, this one, uh, Jesus, this, man. Match, this one match I wrestled. Um, it was the first mat- match I wrestled off of a concussion. And because of the concussion, I wasn't able to exercise. So I accumulated uh, five pounds of water over the, my weight class. And I had to wrestle in two hours, so I won't go into the nasty details. But I put a bag over my whole body. I turned up the the heat in the wrestling room, and I also used the men's room for um, uh, to get rid of five pounds of water in an yeah, hour. Yeah, avoiding body. principles, of course. And it's, and it's and it's jeez, man, it was tough. And and yes, yeah, so you have these different sports with different. It's funny because you don't have like, okay, it's game day, high energy, high things, like high nutrition, high everything. It's a weird balance. You we have different sports doing different things. So I found yeah, with um, coming, kind of coming full circle with bodybuilding, um, choosing either if you're doing a hypertrophy program or a bodybuilding program, or you're pushing towards a bodybuilding competition, because even those three, three, three things are different hypertrophy for a sport, hypertrophy for fun, bodybuilding for fun or bodybuilding for competition, which still in competition you should be doing to have fun. Of course. But um, but there are people who do bodybuilding training with no intention of ever to compete. That's fine. If you enjoy it, hell yeah, do that. Like more power to you.
0: Now it seems Um, like with with bodybuilding, mm -hmm. the point I'm trying to get at with the similarity to the wrestler, obviously we're not condoning that type of behavior. We know that first sport, sometimes people just do things even if it's not in the most healthy manner to be prepared for their weight class or sport. What are some of the, if you had to, if you were coaching someone who's in bodybuilding, what are some of the distinct, distinct training parameters that are going to differentiate bodybuilding from just typical bro hypertrophy training? Is there a difference in cardio? Is there a general difference in, you know, broadly speaking, nutritional habits, as we're getting close to that prep, what, what are some of the differences? Like you're training just to get bigger, put on mass versus you're training yeah. for a competition. Okay, cool.
1: So in general, let's just talk about in, increasing lean body mass. I won't, I won't, cause you have different parts of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the lean body mass at first. We have nutrition for increasing lean body mass. Your body doesn't know well, I'm doing a hypertrophy program versus I'm doing a, um, bodybuilding program, even though they're very similar. Maybe in a hypertrophy program for a football player or for a power lifter, you are still using strictly barbells. Or that program is still the big lifts and everything with some accessories, but the reps and sets are different. Right. As a bodybuilder, I am maybe prioritizing some of the isolation work first or having the compound section of my workout shorter than my isolation. Mm -hmm. We have a general idea of, okay, compounds first. Compounds make up the majority of our workouts. Blah, blah blah blah. That's for general fitness. Right. Bodybuilding is very specific. Maybe for a powerlifter running a hypertrophy program, we have all that. Those, you know, you know, I'm oh, I'm doing sets of ten on the bench instead of my usual three to three to five. Sure. Now with bodybuilding, we are also and and we're just trying to you know get the chest, get the shoulders. We're adding mass in general larger places. Maybe we're not doing as much isolation work. Bodybuilding, almost always, your program is changing based on your strengths and your weaknesses. So right now, for example, um, I, because I wrestled all of my life, most of my life, my back was way more developed than my chest. I looked like a spoon in high school. Like, I literally looked like a spoon. Like, I was all, like, just this with, like, a concave this. You needed some jello? Like, use me, man. Like, I was just this. So, what, this is, I'll try and find some pictures for you guys. I love use it. it um, but, yeah, I was, I was five nine. 119 to 126 pounds, 8 to 5% body fat, just spoon mode. And I didn't care about what I looked like. I just thought about performance, performance, right. performance. And it got the job done. As a wrestler, I'm not pushing things off my chest very often. I'm pulling. I'm ganking. I'm doing these. Yeah, a lot motion. of pulls.
0: That's, that's very true.
1: So much pull. So yes, triceps important because it does attach to the shoulder and it does, um, aid in, um, movements when you are using your lats and your back, but chest, not so much, not as much, I should say. So when I started bodybuilding, when I, um, recovered from my injury, um, and was allowed to get back in the gym, but not participate in contact sports, Mm -hmm. My upper body days or my ch- chest days were a lot more intensive than my back days were because I was focusing on evening these guys out. I had reverse bro syndrome. <laughs> I had all back and no chest versus <laughs> a lot of guys like right, to, right. You know do the beach muscles and all back and no and ch- or all chest and no back. I had reverse bro syndrome. It was crazy. It was so potentially.
0: Potentially, it's the order of exercise, which leads into potentially where you want to play emphasis or put emphasis based on whatever you're trying to address for your specific anatomy exactly. and body.
1: Exactly. So it's, it's literally like sculpting. You look at yourself in the mirror, or you have maybe a coach look at you and say, where do we need to add? Where do we need to maintain where you're basically putting a red light, green light, or yellow light all over your body. You know? Maybe you have a posture indifference. Maybe you're, one portion of your traps, a lot of guys have really tight developed upper traps. But they think that's all what the trapezius muscle is. It's just these guys. These go all the way down into your mid-back. When you mm-hmm. see guys on stage doing... Uh, flexing their back, and yeah, you see their lats on the side, but you see these two meaty, basically like quadriceps hanging down from their neck. That's the lower and middle trap, and those guys are so important, yeah, for not only back development but for bench pressing. Do you guys, power lifters, do you hear me? <laughs> so I, in my opinion. And I'm going to speak to this on my own channel when I devote some content. I have, in my opinion, the lats. That's a, that's a fun fitness word people like to throw around, I believe, are overhyped. The lats, the lats, the lats. Of course, they're so important. But the rhomboids and the lower and middle traps
0: mm-hmm. are
1: so forgotten.
0: They're scapular because, adductors, man. And that's what exactly, you do when you bench.
1: Exactly. Pinch those guys back and put your chest up. If you are bodybuilding and you're not using leg drive, those are so important. Even if you are using leg drive and you're a power lifter, they're so important. Absolutely. Focus on when you're doing your bent over rows. I see some people that are posting, I can really feel this in my lats for my rows. Well, maybe your lats are stabilizing your bench press. You're adding a little bit but it's your rhomboids and your lower traps that are awake and they're saying they're the platform and they're with pushing, pushing against the pad when you're bench pressing, when you're at your meet, they're so mm-hmm. important. So another last friend, we go down the rabbit hole. Oh, you're good, yeah, right? I think The biggest, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, when you're doing hypertrophy, you're in general, I think, increasingly body mass with the idea to probably just you know get big because you're enjoying it and that's mm-hmm. what you like to do or for if you're a powerlifter you use that mass to have a greater capacity of strength or strength but if you're a bodybuilder you slow down and you're saying okay last month i needed more upper chest this month i need more bicep or i need more calves or this and that you are prioritizing your weak points to try and create a symmetrical display of beauty that's what you're doing you're delivering you're creating art that's what it is for me and that's why i love it and what's cool and my one of my favorite part is you can wear well, yeses if you're a painter not not to discredit painters so i enjoy painting painting is fantastic but if i have my paintbrush and i'm painting i'm joining with bodybuilding you get to feel the paintbrush move you get to mm-hmm. feel the the fibers and the blood and everything work as you're doing it and it's such a rewarding special feeling i'm not saying bodybuilders only have that you know as a bodybuilder do you feel your chest contracting you feel whatever but specifically a a bodybuilding rex rep scheme or hypertrophy rex scheme the feeling of that is so intoxicating almost to me i love the way it feels so that's why i enjoy it for myself that's just what i choose to enjoy
0: You can see why I chose Elias to talk about it. (laughs) Men is clearly passionate about it. And that's obviously, there's, you know, we could spend hours upon hours talking about the nuances of different parts of your prep and what the training might look like. But getting the general themes, I think, are paramount for our listeners. So, talked about from the strength training or the resistance training, I should say, side of it, targeting specific muscle groups, potentially switching order of exercise to put emphasis on what you're trying to sculpt or develop for that particular prep or show. The last thing I want to talk about for today's podcast is we talked about the resistance training side. What might the cardiovascular side or the, you know, aerobic fitness side look like for bodybuilding versus just trying to gain mass or lean mass in general.
1: I think those are both parameters that are important that you should incorporate. Even if you're a strength athlete, general health, Mm-hmm. Now, you
0: hear that guys, perhaps. even if you're just doing hypertrophy, you still should be getting your 150 minutes or 75 minutes, moderate or vigorous. It's good for you. It's good for your health.
1: And they will help you when you are resting in between sets. They will help <laughs> you. When you're doing your one rep max
0: squat. <laughs> Bro, Sets to eights cardio, man. It's rough out here. Come on now.
1: It, it, it's crazy. <laughs> like, yes, there is the rule of specificity to of course. train a certain way you will then reap those benefits, but if your heart and your venous system and your cardiorespiratory system is at a higher functioning capacity, don't you think that will assist you when recovering from your high rep or low rep or even single rep sets? A lot of, a lot of power lifters and strength lifters, I don't want to say lazy, but I'm saying lazy, will, deprioritize that aspect of their fitness now when it comes to bodybuilding versus hypertrophy may you have the established what is healthy what is good for you maybe you use cardio or increased cardio as a tool to further your weight loss or your leaning out or your dryness further closer to a show currently in my program when i was at school and i um, was w- walking around For the most part, I wouldn't engage in intensive cardio because one, my hypertrophy and my volume already has my heart moving. Sometimes I'm doing sets of six, sometimes I'm doing sets of 12, 15, 20, or 25. So I have some
0: aspect. If you're supersetting that, man, your heart rate and you're taking minimal rest, like your heart rate can be pretty darn high for the entire workout. Exactly. On top of that,
1: I was walking an average of 2 hours a day.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I don't have a car when I'm at school. I would walk 30 minutes to my first class and then about 30 minutes to work or 30 minutes home from work at the end of the day and then sporadically about an hour total between classes because my schedule like to have classes across <laughs> campus from each other which maybe to my benefit. Yeah. But on top of that when I was super disciplined, when I have my structure, I would maybe take the time to get up and engage in some, maybe 25 to 35 minutes of just, um, uh, I would hop on a a bike or like a stationary bike. or an Kind of doing like some
0: Liz, like low intensity steady state kind of thing.
1: Exactly, just focus on it, get my mind off things and it would feel really good. And it kind of speaks to, yeah. But in terms of just every day to day, intensive hit fat burning workouts those don't exist a fat burning workout doesn't exist and i'm gonna also coming soon will be my episode on weight loss
0: it's a clarification absolutely for those just to say what elias is saying is that all workouts target various um, stores of energy depending on the intensity might alter it but there's no pure one way of only burning pure 100% fat. Exactly. It's not physiologically possible. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Clarification before everyone gets all freaked out in the comments. We have <laughs> workouts that burn more calories because we've spent the time doing so. Maybe we have an exercise or we have a, a workout we've uh, spent and it's burning 1,000 calories in that exercise because we've spent the rep, the volume, the weight, whatever doesn't have to be running. doesn't have to be no. swimming. It can't be weightlifting.
0: if you do Cardiovascular it. exercise is healthy for you, but to lose weight or burn calories or burn fat more or less, or target more fat stores, it doesn't have to be done cardiovascularly.
1: Exactly. It's just, it's
0: just a tool to help with creating a caloric deficit or creating a way exactly. to burn exactly. calories.
1: Exactly, and that's the, and exactly what Damien just said. I don't know if me pointing this way is also pointing Oh, no, that, out. That, that's, <laughs>
0: that'll work. Maybe I can edit it and figure it out if it doesn't, but... Okay, <laughs> we'll move it <literally. laughs> um,
1: Yeah, it's calorie deficit. That's it. There's no, there's no intermittent fasting is the magical tool. Maybe it's a tool that works for you, unless discrediting it, but it is a calorie deficit that will allow you to lose weight. Absolutely. And it's as simple Absolutely. as that. But it's a simple thing because it's so simple. People overlook it and people think fat makes me fat. Carbs make me fat. Protein doesn't make me fat. I don't know. Are you eating more than Are you eating more food than your body needs to function and do everything day to day? Where do you think all of that energy is going to go? Yep. If you're not using it, some of it may go right through you, but not all of it. No sir. Your body goes, Hmm. I am an animal and I don't know that I am, it's 2020, and that I might have a refrigerator or have access, either access to food. <laughs> my body might think that I'm a Neanderthal and I don't know where my, where my next meal is coming from. So yep. I need to study this. And because we live in a different society than we were designed in, or created in, or evolved in, we are now have to act in a way that our body is no longer naturally doing us a favor in most circumstances. Our body was designed to behave in this way, but we want to behave in this way. So we need to find a a system that uses the body's um, uh, system, or you understand what I'm saying? Uses the body's... um, Physiology to elicit the results that we want. It's not black and white. It's very qualitative. Absolutely. And that's all fitness is qualifying, 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 qualifying. There's no yes and no. There's no that's 1000% correct. Even if we, in this podcast, have said this is how we do things, tomorrow it could be discredited. But so far, we are accumulating our education to deliver our experience and our anecdotes.
0: There is a lot of gray area and that's why it's a human science, right? Mm-hmm. People, and this will be for another podcast, but there are a lot of biological factors, psychological factors and social factors that influence anything we do, fitness based. And with that, sir, I think that's a good place to end the podcast for today. Elias, it's been a pleasure, man. It's always good talking to you, but it's finally good to get you on the Thank podcast. You so much, Thank you. <laughs> uh, go ahead and tell the people again where they can find you.
1: Absolutely. On Instagram, you can find me at Coach Elias. That's just all lowercase one word. Um, coach, and then my name, E L I A S underscore CPT. That's at Instagram. And then, yeah, we're all developing lots of intrinsic, intangible, as well as tangible. Um, I do mostly operate soon. I'm moving back to Indiana and will operate outside of Recwell. So, if you do, if you are a part of Purdue Recwell or part of the Purdue Greater Outreach, do look us up, do look into our personal training and things. I offer um, also outside of that, I do offer my own program writing for those of you not affiliated with Purdue. Um, make sure you, you understand that clarification. Um, for those of you, who are not associated with um, Purdue, I do do my own online programming, and we have a lot of fun doing so. Lots of personal customization. So yeah, looking forward to meeting some of you guys and connecting with you guys in the future.
0: Absolutely, man. Like I said, Elias, if you're interested in coaching, uh, if you're in the SoCal area, <laughs> or if you are interested in bodybuilding, pursuing those endeavors, great men, to reach out to. Um, for me, the underscore shift underscore method, just how it's spelled. That's Instagram handle. Head over to theshiftmethod.org, learn about services that I offer, what The Shift Method is, check out the blog post. Also, the uh, merchandise site through Teespring is there as well if you want to uh, cop a Shift Method shirt, as well as we're also selling masks on there as well. We have the night shift mask and the day shift mask. Uh, every mask purchase, $1. Uh, proceed will go to feeding American children in need, so it does go to a good cost. So head over there. That's theshiftmethod.org and Instagram handle at the underscore shift underscore method. Elias, great talking to you, brother. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day, all right?
1: I'll see you soon, buddy. Thank you, everybody.